Turn to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house today, and thank you for one more experience this side of eternity to stand in a sacred place and deliver a sacred word. I understand, Lord, all about anointing and liberty and freedom. I'll understand all about dependence upon you, and I ask you at this very moment, Lord, to give us something of which we're not worthy today. We ask you that your spirit would honor this place and that your presence would touch everyone in this house, that we would leave here encouraged, inspired, revitalized. Touch us by your spirit, O Lord, and speak to our hearts, we pray, in the strong name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. The Bible begins with just a simple statement in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Very simple, no explanation of who God is. In fact, on a test in a class this last week, one of the questions was, who is God? Who is God? God is the eternal one. The Bible calls him the only wise God. The Bible calls him the creator God, the maker of all things. He is also the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. I could go on and on, but you get the point. God is whatever you need him to be. God can do whatever you need him to do. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we're able to think or ask in his name. God, in the beginning, God. God created heaven and earth. And on the sixth day, the Bible said, he created man in his likeness and in his own image created he them. The Bible said male and female created he them. Amen. God created human beings to populate this earth. In fact, he said it very emphatically to replenish the earth and to rule over the earth and to subdue all things on the earth. And the Bible said he named every creeping thing and named all, all that uh, we know to be today. Amen. What a responsibility that was. I'd hate to put a tag on all of you and say, accept, reject, yeah, yeah, you know. I'd hate to have that job of saying who gets it and who don't get it, yeah. But the wonderful thing about that whole episode that I get from it is that God is in control, that God is in charge, that God lays out the course. He, he plots the course. He knows where we're going, and he knows what time it is. Little funny there for this special day that we wrestle with time. God knows what time it is. And he knows also where you are. And he knows the condition of your heart that you brought into this worship service today. And at this very moment, we just lay ourselves upon the altar and lay ourselves bare before the Son of God, the Word of God which is made flesh. Amen. Well, I'd like to tell you that when he created Adam and created Eve, that he created a perfect family. 
that from their own brother, this earth just did well and everybody in it lived right and did good. But I must tell you that our ancients were poor parents. Terrible parents. Well, look at Adam and Eve. The Bible said one of the sons, Cain, rose up against Abel because he was jealous of his offering before the Lord. And the Bible said he rose up and killed his own brother, slew him and murdered his own brother. Now talk about a dysfunctional family. Here we've got a, a woman deceived by a snake and convinced her husband to eat and experience the, the fall and then in the family got the roles mixed up and all of a sudden we've got a, a rebel for a son and he's killed the other son. Boy, that's mess enough, isn't it? But then you get down to Isaac and there was so much deception in the family of Isaac and Rebekah. Rebekah had such a, a, a love for, for Jacob that she wanted him to have the birthright. So they took animal skins and went in and pretended as if they were Esau, his brother. And Isaac said, well, he, he has the skin of Esau, but I hear the voice of Jacob. But nevertheless, he blessed Jacob and gave the birthright uh, to, to Jacob. Now, boy, that's a, quite a story, isn't it, in, in itself, deceiving someone. Well, Esau, when he found out he'd been tricked, he's wanting to kill. And so here we've got murder uh, on the front burner again here in a, in, in a family. Well, by the time then that Jacob starts having sons, gee, the Bible said God changed his name to Israel. And he had a bunch of sons, not just two, but he had a bunch of them. In fact, they became the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, those boys, and I wish I could tell you they were good boys. And there again, evidently, uh, these ancients of ours weren't very good parents. And that seems to be a trend. You know, David was a great king. David was a great warrior, but he was a terrible father. He was a horrible husband. Brother, when it come to family, David just made a wreck of everything. It's possible then for good, valuable, anointed people to be bad parents and bad managers and bad in their relationship. It's possible for someone to be a real tool in the hand of God but at the same time have such dysfunction in their personal life. Come on, somebody. Preaching to somebody here this morning. It's possible to uh, look the part and wear the face and, and uh, act uh, the, the role out, but really the in, inner part, the inner man, is uh, quite a complexity and, and quite, a, quite a, a, a chore to understand. Well, these 12 sons of Jacob, the Bible said they were, they were jealous of the youngest brother. And the youngest brother, as all of you know, was a man named Joseph. And Joseph was evidently not very wise about what he had in his life. He had so many good things in his life. His father petted him and humored him and gave him everything in the world. And one of his prized possessions was a coat of many colors. 
And don't you think for a minute that he didn't wear that sucker everywhere he went and told everybody, my daddy gave me this because I am his favorite. <laughs> Above all the other brothers, he loves me more than he loves any of them. Well, now, the weird thing about this whole scenario is God had a plan for his life. And when God has a plan for your life, he'll get you through a lot of mess. He'll get you through a lot of dysfunction. He'll get you through a lot of garbage to get you to the place where he can use you. And God wanted to use Joseph, but there was a lot had to be done before God could use him. Amen. Well, we'll pick up the narrative. Have you got it there in the 45th chapter? Let's start at about the 15th verse of the 45th chapter of Genesis. You got your Bible, open it up and read it with us. Moreover, he kissed all of his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talketh with him. Next verse. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Next verse. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, load your beast, go and get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your household, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now that commanded, thou art commanded, this do ye, and take ye wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff. Regard not your stuff. Hey, don't forget your stuff. Don't leave your stuff laying around. Regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but unto Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to the father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. Next verse. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. Let's stop right there. Now, what has happened is there's a terrible famine in Canaan. The crops didn't make, the ground didn't yield her strength, and the people of Israel were starving. Now, that's the condition that we've got amongst God's people. There's a lot of preaching to be done right there. And the Bible is called the bread of life, and it's called the Word of God that feeds the hungry soul and they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, the answer is in the 
Word of God. So there are reasons why, why groups of people get to a starving situation. And that's another message for another time. But prior to that episode, God had, was at, at work in the family of Jacob. And they were out in the field one day, and the Bible called them herdsmen. They were shepherds. They were tending flocks, tending flocks. I'm doing a lot of study right now about shepherd kings and about, about shepherding. And, and you know what the, the word for that is? Pastoralism. It's called pastoralism. And in the early ancient days, even 3,000 years before Christ, there was people roaming around in the, uh, the Near East uh, tending to animals, animal husbandry it's called. So here is Jacob's whole family. All of his boys are out watching after the flocks and taking care of all the cattle and all the, all the, uh, the sheep and the goats. And while, while they're there, here comes Joseph. And bless his heart, he hadn't got a bit of wisdom. And he just rubs it in their face. Hey, boys, see what daddy gave to me? Do you know why daddy gave this to me? Because he loves me more. And I am his favorite. And I am his choice. And I am so much greater loved by our father than you. Boy, that attitude won't get you very far till you'll wind up in a hole in the ground. And, and the Bible said that there were they leapt upon Joseph and they tear his, er, the coat off of him. And the Bible said they dipped it in blood and said, we'll tell Dad a, a story. We're going to kill him. We're, he's not going to get by with this. He's not going get, to get, get by with this attitude and rubbing this in our face like this. And the Bible said and they, they took him and threw him in a pit. Threw him in a pit. And the Bible said, and they stood back to see what would come of him. They said, let us see what will happen to this dreamer. Well, he was put into the pit naked and he was put into the tent without his clothing that had been ripped off of him. He was in a very vulnerable state where wild animals could have torn him or could have attacked him if they left him there. And the Bible said they, they felt like that he would, he would die one way or the other. Their intent was to murder him. Their intent was get rid of him and get him out of the way. Have you ever had one of those situations where somebody wanted to bury you? You ever had one of those situations where somebody wanted to throw you in a pit? Ever had one of those situations where somebody stood off to the side to watch and see what bad could happen to you? You ain't going to talk to me today, huh? Well, those kind of situations happen. And those kind of relationships exist, you know. I wish I could tell you everybody loves everybody. I wish I could tell you that everybody is just wanting to just uh, love and be loved and just have the best old time in the world. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of hate in this world, folks. There's a lot of ill will in this world. And it don't take much to make people hate you. It doesn't take a whole lot for people to 
want you to be put in the pit. But you know what? A lot of times when they think they're putting you in a pit, they're just replanting you. Yeah, God, God's just setting you out in another, another place. Amen. And the Bible said while they were watching to see if he would die and if he would, he would uh, go away and be no longer a, a part of their problem, here comes a band of, of Midianites and uh, they're coming along and they're traders, traders in the desert, mostly livestock and mostly that kind of stuff. And they went uh, even as far as the... Uh, uh, Arabia and got the, the silks from the east and that kind of thing and they, they traded those things and as they traveled down the oldest son had a moment of clarity thank God somebody finally came to their senses and he said wait a minute let's don't kill him uh, we can get a price for him if we sell him to these traveling salesmen so let's just get a bargain for him while we can get rid of him and while we can get him out of our hair and get him out of our life. We'll tell dad that a beast came and here's the uh, coat of many colors but it's stained with all kind of blood and he's dead and we don't, we, we don't know what to do about that. that. That's over with, dad. He's not coming back. Have you ever been written off? Have you ever been at a point where you didn't matter? and you didn't count for anything anymore. Well, that's about the way these brothers felt like they'd fixed up their brother. And while Joseph was in the pit and an object of someone else's ill treatment, shivering probably in the cold, wondering what's going to happen to all the trauma in the world. Can you imagine the trauma, the fear that goes along with an episode like that? Can you imagine how people that these idiots lock up in the trunk of a car and ride them around? Can you, can you imagine the trauma and the fear of not knowing what's going to happen to you, not knowing what's going to befall you? Surely that was in Joseph's mind as he was in that pit. And as they drug him out, took him down to Egypt, and they put him on the slave market and auctioned him off, and a man named Potiphar bought him as a servant in his household. And you know that story. You've read that since card class. Barbara probably read that to you when you was a little tyke. All of us know about that story and how that Potiphar's wife, when Potiphar was gone, he, his wife came over and embraced and would have committed some lewd act if she could have had her way. But the Bible said that Joseph ran out of his coat. Got a lot of coats in his life, doesn't he? That's a little funny. You can laugh at that. Had a lot of coats in his life, and he ran out of that one. Couldn't run out of the first one. Should have run out of the first one because he had no business wearing it. But that second one, when she embraced him, he ran out of his coat. His integrity, his character. You can take my coat, but you can't take my character. You can't take my character. I refuse to sin against God, Joseph said. 
I refuse to sin about against who I am. I, I, I refuse to, to lessen my character and, and stoop to such a state. And the Bible said he ran out and the, the tale that Potiphar's wife told was right the opposite. Have you ever been lied on? I said, have you ever been lied on? Your answer is yes. There's not a person in this house who hasn't at some time or another been lied to and lied about and somebody told some yarn or some tale to somebody that didn't even resemble the truth. And when it got back to you, it hurt. Oh, no, Brother Jerry, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Yes, you do. Don't sit there and look at me and lie to me like that. Yes, you do. And sticks and stones will break your bones. Words do hurt. The pain of betrayal, the pain of someone saying something about you to discredit you and to kill your character, to make you out to be a terrible person, even God's Word said, don't let your good be evil spoken of. Right. Well, who would speak evil of my good? What kind of person would it take to scandalize my good? Well, number one, he said, just don't fret over evildoers. Don't fret about them anyway, but we do. But we do. The words they say do sting. They do hurt when people say things against our character. And why is it that those, that kind of information travels so fast? If I was to announce a prayer meeting, there wouldn't be 10 of you get the message. But you let somebody tell them, caught the preacher in a motel. Brother, that message would spread. It wouldn't be 15 minutes till we'd cover the whole gamut. Why is it that bad news travels so fast? Why is it that a person's fall, a person's demise, the sad story of a person's moral failure, why does that travel so fast? Why is that the first thing out after howdy the next word, did you hear about? <laughs> when this book plainly says, let no commu evil communication proceed out of your mouth. Amen. Warns us about our, our mouth that we can do so much damage and sometimes it's about something that's not even true. I heard a preacher tell me, he said, Brother Jerry, when I was just a young preacher, I was riding down the road going to church. And he said, somebody cut over in front of me. Said it made me so mad. Said I, I chased them down in the car, run them down and, and got them to pull over. And said to crack the glass about like that. 
and said, I got up there and I just ringing this guy out and acting like that. And said, got back in my car, you know, and drove up the way a little bit and turned in at the dry cleaners. And I noticed that car had followed me and pulled in at the dry cleaners. And he got his dry cleaning and said, I didn't speak a word to him. And said, I reached over and got my clerical robe. That's the one you wear when you preach. <laughs> and he said, there I, I stood. You mean you got that warped and that bent out of shape over uh, somebody changing lanes? It's not those big foxes. What size are they? Little, did you say little ones? Little foxes? What do they do to the vine? Spoil that vine. Wow. Joseph sat in prison all of those years. He was a, a, a man of integrity. And, and the wonderful thing about it is, the Bible said, and God was with him. God was with him. And wherever God is with you, there's favor. Where God is, there's favor. And the Bible said that God gave Joseph favor. Gave him favor. That everything that he did, he got promoted. He got placed in a, a position of responsibility at a and a, a position of servitude. And he served well, and he served with a good attitude. And that 17 years of conditioning him, but he, it just paid off at the right time. Because one day, and I'll, I'll shorten this, one day there was a cook and there was a butler that both had displeased Pharaoh really bad. And he had him thrown in jail, put him in prison. And there they sat in, in prison. And the Bible said that Joseph found favor with them. That everywhere Joseph went, everything he did, God was with him, and God's favor went with him. Oh, I love God's favor, don't you? I really love God's favor. The favor of God. Did you know that some folks will get as jealous over Joseph's coat because of the favor of God in somebody else's life? I've had people make appointments and come see me and sit down and talk to me. I, I work hard, I do this, I do that, I pay my tithes. And I come to church every time the doors is open and they're set so-and-so over there and they don't do this and they don't do that. And it looks like everything they touch, it just turns to money. It's kind of like that uh, missionary that he stayed on the mission field for 30 years 
worked hard under difficult circumstances. And he was on a ship with some dignitary when he crossed the Atlantic and came back to America. And as he sailed into New York Harbor, the bands began to play and the ships they put out there to pump the water and shoot the water up in the air and all was celebrative and festive. And the old missionary stood there and he looked at that and he said, Lord, I have spent all of these years on the mission field preaching your word in difficult circumstances and I come home and there's not even anybody to meet me. And here's a man that doesn't even know you or care about you and here's bands playing and here are parades and here's all kind of fanfare. And he said he heard the Lord speak to him and say, but you're not home yet. This is not home. This is not home. When you look around at others and be, are tempted to be envious of others, then sometimes you, you get a, a, a feeling like God doesn't love me, this kind of stuff. Hey, best thing you can do is lay up in store for yourself treasure in heaven. Amen. Do those things that God honors and God blesses. And one great day, hallelujah, when the trumpet sounds, we'll all go home to be with him. And all the cares of this life and all the things that we have been bothered by in this life will just vanish and pass away. In fact, the song says they will seem nothing, nothing, when we behold his face. All will pass away and all will be nothing. Well, you know the story that here comes the family down to Egypt to try their best to beg, borrow, or steal to get some food. They were starving. Starving. Did you know starving people do crazy things? I said, did you know starving people do crazy things? You know, in the Bible, there was a famine. What is that, in 2 Kings with Elisha? Yeah. And there were two women, and they both had babies. You remember that story? And they came to Elisha, and they were so hungry, and the famine was so bad that they were going to resort to cannibalism. Isn't that crazy? Eat their babies? Pastor? I said crazy. People who are starving do crazy things. Boy, there's a lot of preaching to do right there, but that's another sermon. These people came down to, to Egypt. Here comes the brothers to negotiate. Do whatever you can do. We, we just got to have some food. And then we get this invitation. Come on down here. We'll send wagons up there. Use our wagons if you want to. Get your stuff and come on down. We'll take care of you. Well, why, why this sudden change? Well, God's favor has put somebody else on the throne and things aren't like they used to be in Egypt. Now, if you know anything about relationships in the Middle East, you know that Egypt is an arch enemy of Israel. 
And brother, for this Jewish boy, this Hebrew boy, to ascend the ladder of politics and go all the way. Well, what happened? There, there must have been a turning point. There was. Because the only reason Egypt had food to eat was this Hebrew boy. Because when the cook and the Pharaoh got back together and the other way around, and it would kill the cook. And the butler got back. Thanks, Don. I got that backwards. I know one of them got... Well, when the butler got, got back to his job and was reinstated, Pharaoh said, buddy, I tell you what, I've been having nightmares. Whoo, buddy, I've been having bad nightmares. Buddy, I've been having nightmares about, about starving and about cows and lean cows and fat cows and all kind of craziness going on. Man, I'm telling you, I've, I've got something bad going on in this nightmare stuff. And night after night, he told the butler, oh, did you get rid of the nightmares last night, chief? No, Lord, I rolled and tossed all night over them lean cows and fat cows. So, well, we got to find out what's going on with that. He said, oh, I, listen to this. I do remember my fault this day. I promised Joseph that if I got put back into my old job, that I would do a little reference for him and get him fixed up and out of this jail and get him going again. But you know what? I forgot all about that. I have left him rotting over there in jail all of this time. I do remember my fault this day. Pharaoh, he is an interpreter of dreams. So the Bible said that, well, you know this story, the Bible tells us that he said, send and get him. Joseph came in and said, I'll tell you the interpretation. It means there's seven good years, fat years coming. And there's, after them, there's going to be seven lean years. And if you're smart, you'll build barns and you'll gather harvest because hard times are coming. And while times are good, you need to lay by and store for bad times that are coming. Does that make any sense at all? Sounds like banking business to me, Brother Ford, don't it you? You better put some up while you got some. Because there's going to be a time when you ain't got none. And you're going to need some. It's like it was with Debbie and the gas. The time to get some is when you got some, remember? Well, Pharaoh said, well, that sounds like a good, good idea. And said, I tell you what, being as you have told me about that, I'm just going to put you in charge of all that. You be in charge of building the barns, and you be in charge. You manage the economy of Egypt. I'm just going to turn the whole thing in Egypt over to you, and you manage the economy, and you manage the socio-political affairs. Everything that's going on, you be in charge of it. The welfare of Egypt is at your feet. And God was with Joseph. And God favored Joseph. Hallelujah!
hallelujah, his favor will go with you to prison and his favor will go with you to the palace. His favor will go with you from Canaan down to Egypt. His favor, his blessing. In fact, the Bible said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So things are going good and Egypt's got barns and the lean years have come. And the fields are burned up and the heavens are shut up and it won't rain. And the agriculture, all the stock is gone. And had done no such thing as raising anything in Egypt. It's a, it's a total wreck. But we put up stuff in their barns. And we got plenty so there's nothing to worry about. And here we've got the family now coming. And they come down and they think we're going to, we hear they've got plenty to eat down in Egypt. Let's go see if there's any way that we can get something to eat from them. Oh, what a picture right there. That's what the church ought to be. People ought to be coming to ask if you got anything to eat. I'm talking about spiritually. Hallelujah. Is there anything at church that I can feed off of? Is there anything that goes on over there at harvest on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? that I can find some rest with God and peace with God. I can get something from God. Did you store up anything over there that, hallelujah, you've got an ample supply that if I come and I bring somebody with me and they need something, there'll be something there for them too. Amen. God's storehouse is what he called it. He said, my storehouse. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. You mean this is a storehouse? You better believe it. And we're storing up favor and blessing and goodness of God in this house. So when hungry people come, they'll find something to eat. Amen. Woo! Why don't you give God some praise somewhere in this house? So we got the family now coming down and they finally walk in and they had not got a clue who Joseph is. We sold him to those Ishmaelites a long time ago and they were traveling and he got sold as a slave to somebody and I hadn't heard from him since. For all I know, he's dead somewhere. Didn't realize when they came in and they knelt before him and they bowed down in a homage. Now, isn't that what his dream was? Wasn't that what his dream was? Didn't he tell them, boys, I had a dream and I saw me standing up and I saw all of you bowed down before me. So the dream came true. He just mishandled the, the dream when it first happened. Now then, the dream comes true. Suddenly, the brothers that threw him in the pit, suddenly the brothers that had beaten him, the brothers that had abused him, the brothers that had humiliated him, the brothers that had beat him to a pulp and threw him in the pit, trying to murder him and wishing he was dead, 
And now then the tables have turned. And the Bible said when Joseph saw his brethren, he wept. He wept. He cried? You mean he shed tears? Because his brethren, his brothers, you see, in Canaan, they were starving for food. But in Egypt, Joseph was starving for family. Joseph was starving for love. Joseph was starving for fellowship, friendship, home, family, brothers. Whoa. Come on now, you've got, it's your day now. You've got, you've got it. You can be vengeful if you want to. You can have them all killed if you want to. All you got to do is say the word. They'll come in here and kill everyone you say kill. You've got all the power. Your chariot rides right behind Pharaoh's chariot. You're the second in charge in this whole country. We'll give you whatever you want. If you want to, we can wipe them out quick. We can destroy them. In fact, we can dig every one of them a pit and let you throw them in it and let them feel what it's like. I tell you what we can do. We can just rip their clothes off like they ripped yours off. We can beat them up like they beat you up. Hey, it's your day now. You got, you got things in your hand now. These tables have turned. You, you can do what you want to do now. But the Bible said Joseph wept and he shed tears you see Joseph didn't cry when they threw him in the pit Joseph didn't cry when they ripped his coat off of him Joseph didn't cry when they sold him to the Ishmaelites. Joseph didn't cry when they wished he were dead and stood off to the side wondering what would happen to this dreamer. Joseph didn't cry when Potiphar's wife lied on him. Joseph didn't cry when the butler forgot him. But Joseph cried when his brethren came in and knelt down before him. Come on, Olivia. You see, I used to preach this message, but I preached it all wrong. I preached it about the what. What he went through. What they did to him. What happened to him. What was pe people thinking? How could they be so, so cruel? But to come to a place where Joseph came 
and to be forgiving and to be merciful and to be loving and to be kind. You see, in every one of us, one of the speeches that Abraham Lincoln, it may have been Gettysburg, he made some kind of a quote from Socrates about all of us have a good angel and a bad angel. And his prayer was that our good angel would step forward and cause us to lose all this hate for one another and to heal up. And that line that we all know so well, with malice toward none and charity for all. Well, I must tell you, everyone in this house has that dualism going on. And every one of us, there's a good angel and a bad angel. And every one of us, there's that good and bad, that right and wrong, that's flesh and spirit, and there's a war, there's a battle that's going on. The Bible said the spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the twain are contrary, the one unto the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Bible said, they that mind the things of the flesh are of the flesh. But ye are not of the flesh, brethren, if so be that the Spirit of God be in you. And if the Spirit of God be in you, then your body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We are debtors then, brethren, not to the flesh, that ye should live after the flesh. For if any man live after the flesh, he shall die. But if by the Spirit ye do mortify the deeds of the body, then ye shall live. Oh, wow. In every one of us, there's death and life at stake. There's right, wrong, good, bad, flesh, spirit in every one of us. Now that bad angel would have got up and slew those brothers and said, you deserve it. You did me bad. I'll get even with you. This is my chance to get you back. This is my chance to pay you off. This is my chance to do what you did to me. Now is my chance to get even, to be spiteful, to be vengeful, to be hateful, to be mean. But for that spirit, say, Brother, you didn't know of anybody else? And yes. Listen to what Paul said. When I would do good, evil is present with me. And he said, I'm in a situation between two. I'm in a twix between two. He said, when I want to do right, I find myself doing wrong. He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I don't do, I should do. I find myself in this tug of war, he said, that's going on inside me. And he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of flesh, from the complexities of my humanity? Who shall deliver me from all the complications and the complexities of being human. Who shall deliver me from that? I thank God 
through Jesus Christ. And then the 8th chapter of Romans starts by saying, There remaineth therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Next time that bad angel steps up and says, Be mean, be hateful, bless them out. Get your pound of flesh. Let that good angel step up and say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be merciful. We're going to be kind. We're going to be loving. We're going to be forgiving. Now, I gave you something you can go home and do and things will get better. You can go home and do some things that things will be better. Because you see, God, why, why, the real reason is why, not what happened, but why it happened. The reason why it happened is because God could have used either one of those boys. But there was only one of them that God knew that if he could put him in his leadership school, that if he could put him into the development phase, that he could become a ruler and an influence for God. God would have done that for any one of those boys. But the only one that he found it in was Joseph. Can God find that in you? I pray that he can. I pray that he can. Stand with me, please. Thank you, Father, for this message about Joseph, one of the ancients. One of the great warriors, one of the great people that did mighty things for you. And I ask you to help us, God, to have that same mind. He is an Old Testament type of Christ. Help us to learn from his life, Lord, and help us to make those adjustments in our life that we could be more like Jesus. We pray that prayer in Jesus' name.